Make money online. Kai, uh, we've been thinking about it. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it was a little too, too extreme in the last episode uh, with the firing bit mm-hmm. and the never speak to me again bit. I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think that what probably makes sense is um, to continue working, um, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna change the terms of engagement a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so instead of me doing whatever I want and just texting you for like fourteen hours a day, uh, you're gonna get three texts a day, and they're gonna be about one specific topic that we decide on ahead of time. Um. And uh, instead of the podcast going exactly however we want, you know, like, um, you know, just episode can be 15 minutes, it can be 45 minutes. Um, every episode will be exactly 26 minutes long. Um, and uh, any longer than that, and it's going to be $1 a minute. So you're gonna have to pay me. Um, and I don't take Venmo, and I only take Stripe. And uh, the minimum number of minutes is 382. So um, you'll pay me either 382 or more, I guess, if an episode goes above 382 minutes in addition to the the 26 minutes, which would make it one uh, 409 minutes, um, 408 minutes. I'm sorry. And um, and for the privilege of my friendship, you will also pay me three thousand dollars a month payable quarterly. Uh, and if this sounds good to you, just let me know. I have a, a stock agreement that I get everybody and uh, I can send you a invoice and uh, we can get kicked off on this podcast episode in. Um, so I'm actually going to Bangkok next week and then I'm working on a research project. So early April, uh, I think would be a good time to begin kickoff. Like how about uh, April 3rd or so? No, that's fine. I mean, I really appreciate how you've broken down uh, these options for me and really let me know what's included and not included in terms of a podcast uh, uh, with you. Uh, and friendship. Re- you get friendship. And friendship. That is, that, there's value there. You're I'm also my friend. It. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. But Bef- yes, anyway, before- I'm sorry. No, no, I, uh, I, I guess I'm just looking for something that's uh, uh, a little more custom to my needs. Uh, I guess one of my worries is like, this seems like, like you said, you have a predefined agreement. But how do I know this is really going to meet my needs in terms of podcasting and friendship? Well, I have a lot of other friends and I've been on a lot of other podcasts and uh, I've developed these offerings based on the needs of my other friends and podcast hosts. I've really become an expert in the space of friendship and podcasting and believe it makes the most amount of sense for the most number of people. Now, there are some people out there who have particularly extreme needs like they're um they might want to talk to me more than three times a day or about multiple topics and so we have kind of add-ons that make more sense for that i'm happy to open that conversation but how about we just start with this right now and see how it goes and if it's not working for us we can talk about making maybe more of an a la carte option where uh, occasionally uh, you fly into chicago because <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't really leave my city at all, but um, you fly into Chicago and we go to a meal at a preordained location um, that, you know, lasts for a specific amount of time um, and uh, you buy it for me and, uh, you know, that sort of thing, right? Like we can we can definitely add on other things as needed, but I don't know. You may um, 
I don't know, synthesize nutrients in some other way other than eating. And so might need something different as far as friendship is concerned. Maybe you, maybe you spore or something like that. I don't know. Now, very frequently with the sporing, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, what I really like how you're laying this out. I think you're right. Like, uh, this, this, this predefined scope for friendship and podcasting, like it addresses a lot of my needs. It's, it's easy for me to understand what I'm getting and what I'm paying and what the value is. Uh, my my one question is: We pay net thirty. Mm-hmm. Will mm-hmm. that be a problem? Yes. Why? Because I'm talking with eight other friends the today, and I want to be fair to everyone. You know, there's there's definitely a situation here where. <sighs> I understand that net 30 is a procedure that you might have in the organization. And if you want to pay me net 30, then you're competing against other people who might be able to pay me faster. Uh, and I'll let you know if that happens. But uh, usually when I hear net 30, I think, well, okay, um, we can probably find a way to negotiate on that. Is there a way that you can drive down the net uh, to like net three or something like that? I might be amenable to that. Um, If you sign a contract that indicates you'll pay by a specific date and then I can collect on it or there's penalties or something like that. Um, Like I, I don't know, I talk to you less or um, you see my face less frequently or you're legally disbarred from looking at a picture of me and sighing wistfully. That's a... So things some of my friends tend to do. Um, I'm really disappointed that I bought that eight foot by four foot uh, portrait of you and have it hanging in the bedroom, like it's, a like a velvet Elvis or something. But it's yeah, you're, it's your head on yeah a velvet Elvis on a stake. Yes, in your front yard is a warning to others. <laughs> Dripping blood and spores <laughs> everywhere. I think this might take the cake for the most odd offbeat intro we've ever done. This uh, this is. I think yeah. we're past intro point. This is an actual episode that we're doing. And it's an episode about productized consulting, which I still like. People think that I'm like the godfather of this thing. I ripped it off from 37 Signals in 2000, okay? They made an offering called 37 Express. And this is actually how Basecamp came about. They had so many 37 Express engagements that they needed a way to project management them. And then so they built a tool called Basecamp, and then it became a thing, right? So um, 37 Express was basically like a heuristic evaluation and website teardown service for like $2,000, which was, you know, not bad money in the late 90s for a firm of like five or six people. And, um, And I remember looking at that then and being like, God, that's brilliant. That is such genius. I was 17 when this thing came out, right? Like I'm not... I did not have, I was not business woke at the age of 17, but thinking like, that's a really bold and confident way of approaching the practice of design is saying, okay, I'm going to do these things. You're going to get a teardown report and you're going to pay us for the privilege. And we're going to offer, I think they offered a redesigned like comp. They didn't even offer a prototype, but it was just like, here's all the things that we improved on this. Have fun. Here's Adobe Photoshop, you know, like, (laughs) there you go. And so I ripped it off from that. And then I made a thing called Draft Revise in 2013, where um, I run uh, A-B tests on a monthly basis. So um, for the record, um, there are no new ideas. And I'm happy to see that productized consulting is kind of gaining currency among other people. Um, What are the most important elements of productized consulting. There are kind of three. Um, Fixed price. So you are usually publishing that price. 
fixed scope. I do X for you and a uh, fixed delivery. Um, and that means that you get it every month, you get it on this date. Uh, so there's, there's certain deadlines expected right now. Those have associated outcomes and hopefully you've thought through those because you're not a slop artist. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that those are pretty much it. Even then, Draft Revised does not have a fixed price. I don't publish the price because I do a value-based negotiation. But the scope is meaningfully the same, right? Um, so I think that the price is kind of optional, but the vast majority of productized consulting offerings or um, fixed bid consulting engagements, they kind of have... Um, they kind of have the same terminology there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, one, one question I run into a lot when talking about productized consulting with other, with peers, with colleagues, with other consultants is, is this selling information products like eBooks? Is this something else? Uh, I personally think the name productized consulting is really, really confusing. Like it came about because we're selling a consulting service as if it was a product, as if it was a course or an ebook. You have a sales page, you get, it describes what you get, it describes the price, it describes delivery. Okay, I'm going to get you know this thing in three weeks for $1,000. Perfect. I'm selling consulting services like a product. But we also have information and educational products in the mix. And so there's a lot of overlap and I think confusion between, well, is productized consulting turning my consulting knowledge into a product or is it offering my consulting services for sale as if it was a product. And it's very much the second one. We've taken the concept of selling a one-off consulting offering, writing a proposal, doing that whole song and dance, eliminating it by saying, this is the service you're buying. This is what's included. This is how much it costs. This is the delivery timeframe. Uh, you get A, B, and C, and we do a kickoff call, and we make it easier to buy by eliminating that proposal. And I think really at the heart of it, productized consulting comes down to, in my mind at least, eliminating that proposal writing process from your consulting sales process. It's not a panacea. It's not going to get you more clients overnight. It's not going to magically make money. It's not going to eliminate the need to talk to prospective clients to learn about their needs and pains and present the solution. Uh, over the last three and a half years of selling productized consulting services, I have sold one service for $250 to a stranger who did not email me or request a chat beforehand. And I've sold multiple six figures of productized consulting services. So the idea that just by launching an offering, people are going to show up and buy it without you needing to do sales is erroneous and incorrect. The major benefit is you no longer are writing proposals. Somebody shows up and says, I want to, I want to pay you money. I want to work together. And you say, great, here are, you know, the three things I offer, choose which one you want. And they say, but I want something custom. And you could say, well, custom engagement start at $20,000 do you still want a custom engagement? And most likely they'll say, no, I'll take option two. It's affordable and seems valuable. So productized consulting, I think, is an odd name, but the concept is strong. We're selling our consulting the same way we'd sell an ebook or a course. Here's what you get. Here's what it costs. Here's how, here's how long it'll take. Yeah. I think that to add another thing to this, there's um, a tremendous benefit to not only not having to write proposals, but also having fixed scope. Because I tell you, man, I only barely have to think when onboarding a new client to draft revise. Like, it's really a brainless, easy process for me right now. And normally, I, when I onboard somebody, it's like a significant amount of labor. Like, it takes a week. And it takes like a whole kickoff meeting and stuff like this. And you never have to do that when you become seasoned enough with a specific productized consulting offering. So there's definitely like a knockout effect to like ease of delivery that happens in a business. Um, if, if you told me, Nick D., 
I want to be a draft revised client. Here's a shitload of money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, great, wonderful. This is great. We have a good process for getting onboarded. And you can be up and running with A-B tests within about a week at this point. And that's not to sell me more, but just to rather say, like, I've been down this rodeo before. We don't have to worry about it. And, you know, once you get more seasoned about it and developed a decent procedure, it's another thing that you can kind of hone as an offering and build into your product ladder. And I think there's tremendous business benefit in being able to give something a name and a specific set of outcomes. Um, so to talk a little bit more about what I do for this, um, I'm going to go into a little bit of detail about how I do it with like Draft Revise and Revise Express. Revise Express has a checkout button. You can buy a Revise Express report today. Um, and it costs you $3,000. And that's it. Um, it has a checkout button. Draft Revise, you fill out an application. Uh, the application has a bunch of secret qualifying questions that I'm meant to like determine whether or not you're a good fit um, that aren't really that much of a secret. Like, how much traffic do you have? Do you have too little? I send you to Revise Express, etc. Um, once you get in the door, I get on a Skype call. We get to know each other. Um, I ask you a bunch of questions about what the upside would be for your business and why you've come to me right now. It's very much Alan Weiss value-based fees conversation, which we've talked about extensively in other episodes. And then I give you a price. You tell me yes or no. I give you terms and conditions page. Um, by paying me, you have agreed to the terms and conditions. And that's it. I write that in the invoice. Um, and I just forward you on that. And um, once you've paid me, we get started. That's the process. This process exists as a great uh, client qualification process. I've done this a lot, and I would recommend listening to the Make Money Online episode we have about this. It is also um, something that makes clear sense for me. And it's very, it fits the way draft operates very well because I'm one guy and I put up a few barriers to get access to me. And if you're a good fit, then I try to be as like warm and kind and understanding as possible. And I'm trying to smell out whether or not you're the same. And um, so I'm kind of vetting your personality on that front a lot. And uh, and then going if it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, uh, it's very similar for me in my business where people show up, you go through an application process and... If you pass that application, if you pass that phone call, then you get offered the opportunity to purchase one of my services, either one-off or on retainer. And I found, and honestly, like I've said this multiple times, the major benefit to me has been eliminating proposals. I had a fuck this moment when it came to consulting and proposals in 2014, I think it was 2014, when I had written three extensive proposals in one week, shipped them off and got noped on each one. And I was like, fuck this bullshit. I, made, <laughs> I spent like six hours on each proposal. Some preposterous amount. I was like, fuck this. I'm done. Everything is either a productized service now, so I never have to write a motherfucking proposal again, or it starts at $20,000. And I have written, I think, four proposals since then. And it's been very, very good for me. It's allowed me to evaluate. It's allowed me to have better focus. This is what I do. And the this is what I do has changed over time as my positioning has changed, but it's given me clarity in terms of these are the services I offer. And it's made it a lot easier to kill off services since somebody might show up and be like, oh, I want to buy this thing you used to offer. And I could say, sure, sure, you could order from the secret menu if you want. But 
for a majority of people, and a majority of the time, it's, hey, these are the services I offer that line up with my positioning, that line up with the outcomes I want to help you and your business achieve. Choose which one you want to buy. If you don't feel any of these provide value to you, I encourage you to seek out another consultant. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's kind of your mm -hmm. fault if you don't have something that fits what somebody's looking for, right? Like that that's something that you need to be having as an objective as a business owner. So there's a huge research process that goes into this as well. It's not enough to just, I have a thing now. Like, no, you have to... I wrote a whole blog post about creating new um, consulting offerings called Following the Hunch that I would recommend taking a look at because it goes into a deep dive about this whole process. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Now, a uh, great blog post. Have to recommend it to everybody. I think that, at least when we look at my business, I started out with productized services after seeing you launch it and saying, that seems a lot easier than continually writing proposals. And it was right when I was starting to reposition my business. And so I did sort of like a backdoor hacky thing where... I said, okay, I need to pick a target market. And as I look at these different target markets, let me see what they seem to be buying. I wanted to say, well, if 10 people are selling the service, the market can probably support an 11th person. So I picked SEO and I picked e-commerce stores and I launched a productized consulting offering doing an SEO audit of e-commerce stores and it sold really, really well. And it was very much a brute force attempt that played out well for me. But I think it played out well because I looked for a couple key things. I picked a target market that I knew was already spending money. E-commerce stores are actively spending money. And I picked a problem that I was able to validate they were experiencing, both through conversations with e-commerce store owners and by searching around and saying, like, well, what are the service offerings that other consultants are offering for e-commerce stores? And I said, hey, I'm going to launch a Me Too offering. And it worked really, really well. And over time, I identified the most valuable parts of those offerings and what could be split off or what I wanted to double down on. My service uh, offering podcast outreach could actually be directly traced back to that. I'll audit your, S your site for SEO offering because I went from there to, okay, the problem people have is they don't have enough links. I need a way to get them links. Hey, I have a productized service around link building. Then I realized getting people on podcasts made a lot of sense as a link building strategy. And so I said, hey, I'll get you on podcasts and we'll promote your stuff and we'll earn links through it. And it turned out that was a really valuable offering. It's turned into a book. It has been my primary offering ever since. And people really enjoy that. But it was through this iterative process of saying, well, what are the most valuable elements of what I'm offering? Why are people buying the service? What value are they receiving that I realized I could double down in a new and interesting direction and have it affect both my positioning and my service offerings over time? Yeah. Yeah. You need to, you need to make sure you're creating the right thing, right? Like it's not enough to just um, say, okay, well, I do A-B testing. I'll run A-B tests. Okay, well, you have to be specific about it. And thinking it through, you're creating both the scope and the outcome, right? That's what should be on a marketing page. So if I'd say, okay, well, you're gonna get three A-B tests a month. Okay, great, wonderful. Why am I buying three A-B tests a month? Why not 20, you know? Why did you settle on the number three? Why every month? Why not every week? Um, and I have answers to all of those questions, right? So you're thinking that through as well. One question I get from consultants often is, how do you eliminate or how do you handle scope creep when you have a productized consulting offering? And in my experience, it's been very, very easy to handle scope creep because with a correct, with a, you know, a proper productized consulting offering, you've said you're going to get A, B, and C. You're getting three A, B tests a month. You're going to get a report and you're getting a call each month. Okay, great. So client says, we want six A-B tests each month. You could say, excellent. I'm happy to hear that. The service you purchased, link, 
is three A-B tests a month. If you would like something different, we could open that conversation as an extension of our agreement. But the thing you bought, it's just what's listed on the tin. So it's like if you walk into a restaurant and you're like, hi, I'd like the salad, but uh, I'd like additional things, please. They might say, and I see this often in restaurants these days, no substitutions, no modifications. It's the same thing when it comes to a productized consulting engagement. You've defined what the outcomes are. You've defined what the deliverables are. If somebody comes in and says, well, I want a slightly different outcome and different deliverables, you could easily point to the service that they're either considering investing in or have already purchased and say, I'm so happy to hear that. Unfortunately, the service you've purchased does not include those. Let's talk about how we increase scope to include those and if those are actually valuable decisions or valuable directions for you to head in your business. So I think scope creep is almost off the table if you're following a pure productized consulting methodology and, and this is a big and, you're comfortable saying no and pushing back to clients. If you aren't comfortable saying no, productized consulting or not, you're going to have a very hard time when it comes to scope creep. You really need to be confident in saying no. Saying no is not you know, rejecting the client or putting your entire project at risk. Maybe it is, but in that case, it's probably not the best client to have. But you need to be comfortable saying no when somebody says, hey, I bought you know this can of soup. I'm very angry that the can of soup does not have an entire cake inside of it. And you're able to say, well, you bought a can of soup. Next question, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're setting boundaries on the engagement. You're continuing to do that. I mean, offer an alternative like, do you want 35 AB tests a month? Okay. Well, first off, that's a horrible idea for your business because you don't get enough traffic for it. But if you do, maybe that comes from a good place, then we need to renegotiate the agreement, right? Maybe you have to pay me more money, right? And that's what I mentioned at the beginning of this episode in that lengthy tortured metaphor that we did where... um, you know, maybe maybe this isn't actually something that fulfills your needs, but we don't know until we try, right? And you start asking for stuff. Well, the, the request itself is not unreasonable, right? It is not something that you should just be noping because it doesn't robotically fit the, like, parameters of the engagement. It is something that you need to take seriously. So uh, I would recommend doing that and trying to push back on it with an alternative that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to realize that any conversation where somebody is asking for something and you're going for something different, it's a negotiation. And it's important to understand how to navigate that sort of negotiation. We should get into negotiation in a future episode. Uh, one book that I'd recommend to listeners is Start With No. Uh, very, very good book on negotiation. But when it comes to those scope creepy type questions, well, there's an opportunity to have a value-based conversation there and figure out what makes the most sense for them and negotiate something where you both gain value. Yeah. Uh, you're pulling... You, I'm sorry? Oh, no, 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 you, you. You're pulling them on their your side of the table, right? It's important mm-hmm. to, when somebody has something that like you find disagreeable, to feel cooperative with them. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're getting at. Anyway, yes. yeah. What do you recommend as that first step to getting started? Let's say a listener is a consultant, has a consulting agency. They've been consulting for a few months or a few years now. They've had some clients. They have positioning figured out to some extent or not. How would you recommend they get started with productized consulting as the godfather of productized consulting? Read my blog post called Following the Hudge on 99u.com. <laughs> I just laughed so hard my headphones fell off. Put them back on. I can't hear you say that. <laughs> um, 
But seriously, I, like it is a good blog post. I would it, recommend it. It is a really it. good blog post. Um, but you you should. I mean, we we've talked a lot about expensive problems and positioning. Those are foundational to a business. If you don't have good positioning or an expensive problem worth solving, get them. If you do, think about what you can do in a way that is consistently repeatable, hopefully in a periodic way for clients. Engagements are either closed-ended, like Revise Express, where you do it once and then you're done, or they're open-ended on a retainer basis where um, you do it continually, like with Draft Revise. Neither are bad, neither are good. Um, they're you know, benefits and drawbacks to each of them. Figure out what the actual scope looks like. Start talking with other people and determine whether or not this would be something that they would pay for. Um, figure out pricing for it by asking other colleagues. Have a research process in place if other people are actually doing this. I can't tell you how many, like, wannabe A-B testing services have come out in the wake of Draft Revise. It's probably horrifying. Um, hundreds, literally hundreds. And they're all very similar to what Draft Revise does. Um, if I came in right now and tried to make Draft Revise or an equivalent, I'd be like, wow, that's a crowded market. Um, and it also is fraught with like price races to the bottom, which is why Draft Revise has gone so hard on research lately. Also because it makes you more money. Um, but yeah, I would recommend doing that research process as, as a component of it. That seems like a good place to end on where to start. Um, there are a lot of I, other I got places. It. I I, yeah. I got a couple of tips and tricks I could share. So when it comes to productized consulting, uh, one one tip I often offer to people is look at your most recent 12 proposals or projects you've done this year and just like sort them into categories. Like this was an SEO project. This was a design project. This was an A-B testing project. What are you selling the most of? Turn that into a productized consulting offering. And the trick I often tell people is take the latest proposal you wrote and turn it into a page on your site and now strip out all the confidential client information and make it follow like what I think of as the canonical pain, dream, fix uh, uh, outline. Jonathan Stark of expensiveproblem.com has a wonderful sales page outline we'll include in the show notes link. But uh, uh, taking that proposal and turning it into a public-facing sales page on your site can be a very effective first step. Since if you sold a lot of this service in the past through proposals, well, chances are you'll sell more of this service in the future so let's just cut the whole proposal song and dance out of it. And next time somebody's like, hey, can I hire you to do that thing you do? You could say, yes, here's the page that describes what I do and what the deliverables look like and the outcomes are for you. Uh, if you do that exercise and you're like, Kai, I got nothing. What do I do? What's the backup plan? What I recommend doing is a roadmapping session, essentially a paid discovery session. And uh, with the value in that is you're able to write better proposals if you've been compensated for doing the discovery work that goes into the proposal ahead of time, sitting down with the client, talking th through what they need, what outcomes they're searching for, what problems they're experiencing, what solutions they've already tried, gives you a ton of information. And now you're able to also ask value-based questions. Oh, what, what does the upside of this look like? What is the value to your firm? Why are you doing it now and not in six months or six months ago? All of that you're able to bake into the proposal. But it comes from doing discovery, and I think it's incredibly important to do paid discovery, not free discovery. Discovery. And so just by having a road mapping session, hey, it's X hundred or X thousand dollars and we meet, you answer these questions, I give you a report with my recommendations, and I give you my proposal. It's wonderful for two reasons. Reason number one is it gives you the information you need to be able to write 
that proposal. Reason number two is it gets the tire kickers out incredibly fast. I've written in the past so many proposals where I wrote the proposal, sent it over, and they're like, I need, really need my manager's approval, and uh, we actually can't spend more than $50, so your $5,000 proposal just won't fly. Sorry. Instead, if you're able to start with, great, the first step is a road mapping session, and it's, you know, 500, 5,000, whatever, you get that no super early. And I think there's so much value in that because what might have been you know, six hours of writing a proposal and emailing back and forth and getting to conceptual agreement and then them saying no is now 15 minutes of you saying, great, step one is buy this thing. And they're like, we don't, we don't pay for things. And then you say, good luck with that one. Yeah, yeah. I would recommend another thing. If you are having a hard time coming up with productized consulting offerings, that seems to me like maybe your positioning isn't on point quite as much. And so I would... I treat that as a symptom of bad positioning uh, sometimes. And that may not necessarily be the case, but like go back and check whether or not you're being specific enough. Um, and and you probably aren't. So, uh, so yeah, that's definitely something to be keeping in mind there. Mm-hmm. But no, productized consulting has been instrumental for my business. It honest, honestly transformed the way I do business and the way I view service offerings. And I don't see myself moving away from it. I only see myself moving closer to it, implementing it in more places. I think it's, I think it makes the most sense. Uh, I would not advise using the phrase productized consulting with a client. It's very inside baseball-y. Oh, like yeah, don't. Most most consultants won't even know what you're talking about. Like if a client asks why you don't do proposals, you could say, I found it works best if you know I offer a fixed price or a base price or not. Uh, this is the fixed scope of what you get, and this is what the delivery looks like, and it allows us to more easily determine whether we're a match for working together before we spend hours going through the proposal process. So this is what I offer, and it's a fixed price, which means you know exactly what you'll be paying. Uh, It's fixed scopes, you know exactly what you'll be getting, and it's fixed delivery or fixed time, which means you know exactly when you'll get the deliverables for your business. It makes it easier for you, dear client, to evaluate this service would you be interested in working together? Yeah, yeah. I think there's so much there. I mean, more broadly, you don't need to use businessy terms on your clients. They don't mm-hmm. have to know about the term productized consulting or positioning or addressable market or value-based negotiation if you're doing your job right. Please, mm-hmm. for the love of everything, talk in plain English and use the terms that we put on Make Money Online in order to make articulate and legible to you and to other business owners what it is you're actually doing and why you're making money in the way that you are. 